new to you altogether, but I think it would be a good reminder to all of us. And uh, again, we're looking at what the Bible says concerning uh, all these things. Uh, you know, religion, we're not talking about religion in the broad sense. Religion is what causes planes to dry, fly into uh, twin towers and kill thousands of people, okay? Religion never saved anybody. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, uh, a, a greater, more elite group of Christian believers, okay? We're simply talking about what do we as Community Bible Church believe? And uh, how and what does the Bible say about these things? What defines us as Baptist believers? Uh, you may not call yourself officially a Baptist, uh, but uh, I know personally from having been in this church and pastoring this church and knowing the beliefs and standpoints of the people within this church uh, that we are Baptist through and through. We just may or may not know it for some of us. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, many people like to ask, well, where in the world did Baptist begin? Is it not, you know, is this not a, a man-started religion? I believe if you study and understand the distinctives that which define a Baptist according to Scripture, you would find that essentially, though they didn't call themselves Baptists as we have so many different denominations and churches in general in, in today, but if you go back to the local New Testament church, they in themselves were Baptists, okay? They just were not called what we would define as Baptists. Now, are there variations in beliefs among uh, Baptist believers? Absolutely, okay? But the essentials concerning Scripture as to what uh, as to what defines a, a Baptist are, are the same. And are there practices that differ? Yes, we're not talking about, you know, uh, does, does there a one song leader behind the podium or are there four people leading the music? Uh, is there an organist or is there just a pianist? Is there both? Uh, is there a choir or is there not a choir? We're not talking about the, the methods, okay? We're talking about the, the standpoint of we as a church. Every church has different methods and, and ways in which they come at different things. Some, uh, you know, would say right or wrong, but at the end of the day, that's where uh, we run into the, the trouble sometimes of tradition. <laughs> Some things are not simply uh, a matter of biblically why we do them, but they've just been things which we have always done. <laughs> and I can tell you from having grown up even in a Baptist church that this church in many ways is very much like the church I grew up in. Uh, and uh, so uh, that being said, I'm telling you that there is a commonality between and uh, that is known. But oftentimes, and just giving you even further context for why this, I, I believe this is something that I believe God would have for me to share. Uh, we've had some that have come uh, through our doors and visit our church for weeks, sometimes months. And um, uh, you can, and they, they generally understand what you mean by Baptist, but when they come to understand what we believe, particularly they understand uh, where we uh, believe and our Bible is sole authority and our areas of separation and all those things uh, to go with it, uh, they find themselves saying, I don't really want to stand for that. And I think what you find, uh, and we see a lot even in our own community, is a lot of what would be called non-denominational churches. Uh, and it kind of falls into, for some, that very idea, like I mentioned this morning, a very universal or ecumenical church mentality. So now everyone believes in the same God, we all believe the same thing, uh, but there's no defining for who we are and where we stand. Uh, so uh, yes, is anybody welcome through these doors no matter what their religion or past may be? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, if they so hold to that be before the word of God, and that's what defines a Baptist, is the, so the word of God is sole authority, we'll talk about that, but uh, if they hold to those beliefs before the word of God, they're gonna have a very hard time worshiping together in unity with 
uh, we, we ourselves as believers, if even in the case, unfortunately for some, those ones who are visiting are even believers themselves. Because we understand and should understand uh, that when you come to a, a, a church with a uh, universal church mentality, as a result, you're, you're inviting and welcoming and, and joining to people within your church that for some aren't even believers. They simply have been a part of a church believing a nether religion that is not God's biblical way of salvation, uh, but they just find themselves as a part of the church because we all believe in the same God. And so, what is it? Why is this important for us? Um, uh, we talk about Baptist distinctives. What is a distinctive? It's our belief, our characteristics, okay? Um, some, some religions uh, or even denominations, beliefs, you know, say, well, these are all these bullet point things. Uh, uh, generally speaking, as a Baptist, there is no bullet point things. This is what we believe right here, okay? This is where it all comes out of. Every answer, everything uh, for which we answer to comes straight from the Word of God. And I would say to you, when we consider the distinctives of uh, what defines a Baptist, the first would be that we have a biblical authority. A biblical authority. I want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now once again, don't dwell upon the name so much as much as considering what does Scripture say uh, about these things. This is what we believe uh, as Community Bible Church. We believe in biblical authority. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16, the Bible tells us that, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. We believe that the Bible is our sole authority for every uh, area of our faith as, as well as our practice. We, we would often use the word our sole authority. That's meaning that there is no other source of authority but the Bible. We believe by faith that God has given us all the Bible, every bit of the Bible, and everything that we need. We're not questioning and wondering, is there more of the Bible out there? Uh, does God have more for me somewhere? No, we simply believe by faith that God has given me everything that I need, and this is what I'm choosing to live by. That which is being taught, that which is being preached, that which I'm memorizing, that which I'm reading in my own life, uh, is not anything that was made or written by man or produced by man. It is that which God has given to me. The words from the Word of God come directly from the lips of God. Okay, We believe in biblical authority. Um, as, a, as a church, one of the things you may have seen or maybe even heard of our church is we are a fundamental church. And what that's saying is, is we, are, uh, we hold to the fundamentals of the faith, okay? Uh, those uh, essential truths of scriptural, Scripture. Uh, for example, the verbal inspiration of Scripture, or the deity of Christ, uh, the blood atonement, salvation by grace, the second coming of Christ. Those are the things which we believe is a fundamental church. And they all tie into the very fact that we are a church that believes in biblical authority. Amen? Uh, if, if we followed a religion of man... Uh, we'd be following a vain religion, okay? Uh, we'd be following a vain belief system, uh, but we believe in the whole Word of God, and that's why we preach and teach from it. And the goal and intent is not to exempt ourselves for, even from any level of obedience to the Word of God. We obey all of it. If God has commanded it, we obey it. If God gives a principle concerning it, we develop convictions out of it, and we choose to live a life that glorifies God through it. And so uh, we believe in a biblical authority. I would say, secondly, when, when you define that of a Baptist, it would be uh, speak concerning the matter of autonomy, an autonomous church, the autonomy of the local church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. The word autonomy in itself means self-governing. 
okay, self-governing. Uh, in other words, that's why when you often would hear our church is fundamental, but yet also independent, okay, that's speaking of the fact that uh, it stands alone from any type of organization, of any type of fellowship, convention. Uh, our, our, our church uh, is not run by the state. It's not run or, uh, by a board or any association, but it is independent, okay? And that is a biblical stand of the local church. We find that in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, uh, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly place, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body and the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In other words, we're talking about that self-governing church. Its only head is Christ. Amen? Its only head is Christ. It's not the pastor. It's not uh, the deacons. There isn't a board that, that, uh, that functions the, the whole, uh, everything we answer to. No, it's God. God in his word and his structure and his intent. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 1. Let's turn there with me. We're kind of turning to a number of passages, so I hope you've got uh, good and quick fingers ready tonight. Colossians 1, verse 18. The Bible speaks concerning Christ. Here's Paul yet again speaking to the church at Colossae, and he says, Here he, And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Uh, so, it is Christ who is the uh, inspiring, controlling, deciding, and sustaining power of the body of believers, okay? It is, it is Christ who we depend upon and uh, who, who we look to for answers within his word. Um, turn with me to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we find Paul himself uh, and uh, his um, obedience to the Lord. But um, before we even know Paul so much as Paul, Acts 13, we find the church itself that local New Testament church uh, being uh, self-governing uh, outside of any control of any, anything other than God himself. Acts 13, ver verse 1 through 4, And there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, uh, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, uh, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away, so they being sent forth by who? The Holy Ghost. Departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. So they uh, are told by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit, to be separated, and they're being sent by the Holy Spirit to go forward in the work of God. In other words, it is Christ who has made the head. There was, there, yes, there, there is that, so it has been called that mother church, so to speak. Churches, starting churches. Uh, but who is it is that serves as the head? It is Christ. That is not to say that we as a church do not and are not to have uh, organized individuals who, uh, within our state and our government, 
uh, and within the United States of America are, uh, have an official standing of individuals who represent and speak for the church. There is a legal standpoint which the church uh, should have and must have. That's why we have a written constitution. The constitution does not supersede or overrule the word of God, but it defines who we are before our government and it defines us in a legal standpoint. If there was a legal questioning of, of uh, of somebody making an accusation or, or the, for that matter. But who do we answer to? We answer to God. And that's why we've even talked about, uh, even in First Peter, where Peter makes the reference to the fact of, yes, we are to honor all men and all authorities within our life, but it should not uh, supersede the honor and respect and the love which we give to God. Because it is God's word that is our sole authority of faith and practice, uh, but it, also, it is also God himself who is the head. And therefore, we have a self-governing church, a church that is not uh, being run by anything other than God in his word itself. A an autonomous church. Um, I think that um, a church that is truly autonomous and understands the autonomy of the local church will find themselves... Uh, with less of a, um, you know, a worry or dis, uh, 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 of things of, of wondering, you know, well, uh, what man is controlling all of these things? Uh, if we believe as believers in the autonomy of the local church, then our minds and our hearts will be upon Christ as the head, okay? And his word defining those things. Does God say that in his house all things are to be done decently and in order? Absolutely. And that's why when you read in Scripture, and we'll look at that together, you had men, uh, deacons, and you had uh, uh, elders within the church uh, who helped to bring some of that order, God's intent, and God's structure within the church. Uh, it could not be properly functioning as a decently and an ordered church without God's purposeful leadership uh, to bring that order um, does it happen in churches that sometimes the man within the church uh, or men within the church uh, over uh, uh, overemphasize Christ as the ruler? It does happen, okay? Uh, God forbid it should happen in our church. Uh, but we believe as a church, and I don't, I don't believe there's any disagreement of this in any way, shape, or form, we all believe in an autonomous church, a self-governing church. Um, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, we've been there together, but turn there with me. 1 Peter chapter 2, we look at the third thing, and that is the priesthood of believers. The priesthood of believers. 1 Peter 2 and verse 5, remember just last week we looked at this verse together. The Bible says, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, by Jesus Christ. We understand the priest himself. The priest in the Old Testament was the only one who had access to God. It was only he who could go into that uh, holy of holies, uh, and he himself only could go in at certain times. But it is when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible tells us that veil was rent in twain. Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. In other words, we could put it this way, all of us are priests. We all have that now access to God, which was once not before. That's why we as believers here at Community Bible Church do not believe that there is to be a priest to whom it serves as the mediator between you and God. I am not the person that you come to and confess your sins to. It is Christ who came as the mediator. Amen? 
He was that middleman. He is the one who made the way possible for us to be able to come before Christ. That's why 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 and 6 tells us, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So we believe the individual believer answers to Christ alone. That's why, again, uh, it's not um, uh, my place as a pastor to do anything more than to shepherd the church. The under-shepherd, under Christ, is the head. And yes, I can seek to, as, as a pastor, uh, direct uh, the believers as much as possible. But who's going to be, at the end of the day, held accountable for their choices of how they choose to live for God, it's each of us, individually, okay? Because we have the choice on how obedient we will be to God or how much we give Christ his rightful place in our life. And, uh, of course, there's so much more we could say on these things, but the priesthood of believers, and um, we may have one disagreeer on that. I don't know, but I'm just kidding. All right, number four, uh, the two church officers. We believe in two church officers. Number four. Uh, th those two church offices are who? Does anyone know? The, the pastor and the deacons, okay? Uh, the pastor is uh, referred to in Scripture as the bishop. That word bishop means overseer. Uh, but um, uh, as we, we, in our English language especially, have gotten to where we use the word pastor. If you call me bishop, I'm going to look at you funny, okay? But uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, if you're still there in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 5 verse 1. The Bible says, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, and we could go on on these things, uh, but uh, here now, uh, pastor's preaching to himself, okay? Uh, this is God's order and instruction for the pastor. And, uh, of course, we, as we would read further in Scripture, there, is a qual there are qualifications that uh, are to be for an individual to be a pastor. And by the way, those are qualifications for a pastor, but they should be qualities of every believer as well, okay? They should be things which we are seeking to make a part of our life. Uh, but um, uh, we, as a, uh, we as a church, Community Bible Church, uh, we believe in a, a pastor-led church as it being a biblical structure that God has given to us within the local church. Uh, it's not, again, the pastor being a lord over. That's not what the pastor having a focus uh, only upon uh, his own needs and his own desires, uh, but simply being uh, a uh, shepherd of the flock. Okay, that's God's intent. So it is God who calls the pastor. Uh, it is not, uh, you know, when, when uh, Community Bible Church was looking for a pastor before Pastor Miller came in, okay, uh, it was not okay. We're going to define and, and see who is, uh, uh, you know, who is going to be the, pa the next pastor in that sense of the way of, of them searching. No, it was a belief that God was going to bring along the right individual and that that individual to whom God brings is going to be an individual who knows that they have been called by God to pastor, okay? Uh, God ordains the pastor in heaven, the Bible tells us, and we believe that um, through um, 
the laying on of hands of the pastor, that, that's a recognition of, that God is what, of what God has already done. And that's why we, uh, you may or may not have seen or been a part of an ordination council and that of a, uh, an individual being ordained into the ministry. And uh, what that ordination council is saying and doing is they're saying, we believe that God has called this man of God and we recommend him to the ministry. And so uh, we believe that God knows the church needs a pastor, a shepherd, and that it is God's design within it. Again, are we talking about a... Uh, an individual who's, um, you know, the uh, cumin law of, of, uh, of individuals, a high above everyone else? No. We're talking about a sinner saved by grace who's been called by God to lead his people, okay? We're not talking about any elite individual here, all right? Uh, if that is the mindset of any individual that, uh, that, the, that the pastor is seeking or is, is creating himself to be something more than that, then it is a wrong and a biblical uh, stand uh, for that man uh, of God, and he'll be held accountable before God for that. Uh, but um, uh, the pastor is to be the overseer, and by the way, it's the pastor who's held responsible uh, for the church. Uh, you know, as as a pastor, you know, it's not a matter of you know I I can sit and pick and choose that which I want to preach from, and you know, uh, uh, but if I do that, here's the end of the day, I'm going to be held accountable before that before God for that. Uh, I could. I could say, well, we're just going to believe all these things and not these other things, but who's going to be held accountable? I'm going to be held accountable for that. And so I am, by calling of God, of responsibility to be preaching the whole word of God. And, uh, and then uh, we as a church, not of any question other than understanding, hey, this is simply the man to whom God has called uh, to, to preach the word of God and we all believe that the Word of God is our sole authority of faith and practice. So, so long as the Word of God is being preached by the man of God to who we believe is called, we're going to take what the Word of God says, we're going to apply it to our lives, and we're going to put it into action. Okay? This is what a local church, a local New Testament church looks like. Okay? And I believe uh, that, which, that as we're talking about this, that is that which defines our church as well and the body of believers here. Uh, so God instructs the pastors to feed the flock of God. Uh, that second uh, office is that of a deacon, uh, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. Uh, I really think maybe it's part of a northern mentality. <laughs> uh, maybe it's uh, uh, just um, uh, because some, for some of us we're more introverted. But there is a thought for some in general, no matter where you go, that I have no desire or intent or any, uh, you know, wanting to be a deacon ever, okay? And uh, what does the Bible tell us about the deacon? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 6, verse 1, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, a disciple is a follower of Christ, okay? These are the believers of Christ. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. And, and isn't that encouraging? In every church there's murmuring, okay? There was church, there was murmuring in that church as well. Because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Uh, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Okay? What they are not saying is that these are men we're going to create a board, and they are now going to be who the church answers to. Okay? Nowhere in the, 
in the Word of God, you find the deacons that were a board, okay? The church did not answer to a board. The church, again, is an autonomous church, a self-governing church. Who, they, who do we answer to? We answer the Word of God. We answer to God himself. We understand that a deacon is one who follows, yet, yet also, and again, as the pastor, qualifications. Qualifications uh, that uh, make an individual able to be a deacon, but there are qualities that should also be for every single believer. And what was the deacons? What were the deacons selected for? What were they chosen for? Okay. Now I'm preaching not just to the deacons tonight. Okay. Uh, but we're all gaining an understanding of what is the purpose of the deacons within the church. The deacons were selected to help, to encourage, uh, to advise the leadership within the church. Uh, they, they were chosen to help in the work. Uh, within the church, in this case, we find the widows and um, uh, the needs. There was murmuring of the people. They were hearing that which was being said amongst the believers. And they were now working as a soundboard of the leadership within and say, hey, these are needs. We're making them aware. Let's properly resolve them in a way uh, that would not bring anything other than glory to God. And as the deacons who are to be prayerfully considering the future of the church, and we see some of that uh, and not some of that, all of that even today uh, in, in our church, that that is the purpose and intent of the deacons to do these very things. And I'm thankful for the, for the men of God that uh, are within our church, that serve as deacons within our church. Uh, but, uh, hey, let this serve as a reminder to us as well, the responsibility uh, that biblically we find of the deacons. You want to read further on that, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. Those are the qualifications of a deacon. I say qualifications, but again, keep in mind, what is a qualification? It's an individual that contains these qualities and is seeking to maintain a life that defines this lifestyle. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8 through 13. Okay, So um, uh, we believe in the two opposites. Uh, we believe in the individual soul, uh, soul liberty of the believer. Uh, number five, the individual soul liberty. Turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. This is what enables us to be able to come to convictions that we have on all matters. Okay? Romans chapter 14, verse 11 through 12. The Bible says, For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. The Bible tells us further in Galatians 5, verse 1, I'll read it to you. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So, soul liberty is a gift from God. It's the individual freedom of the soul, okay? To develop convictions is what I believe according to the Word of God, and I'm going to live for Him. And if, and if I'm not living by and according to the Word of God, I'm going to be held accountable for that, okay? Um, a church... Uh, that seeks to have any leadership where the individuals are answering to man is an unbiblical church, okay? We don't answer to man, we answer to God. So there's the individual soul liberty of the believer. We believe that man is responsible for his choices, uh, and he, he has the free choice to choose and make those decisions, okay? And we could take that even further and when it comes to the matter of salvation. We believe that man has a choice, to decide whether or not he will receive Christ. It's not, uh, uh, there is not uh, the practice of God in any way, shape, or form that God's only choosing some 
that can come and to receive him and, re and uh, that can come to heaven. The Bible tells us we as an individual choose within ourselves of whether or not we will give our life to God and as a result then live in obedience to him. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, someone can try, a, a, an individual, a man can try all they want to, they can pressure even, uh, but uh, you can only help a person as much as they want to be helped uh, because an, every individual is going to be held accountable before God for their own choice, okay? The person that wants help will make the choose to say, choice to say, I want help in these matters of my life. Uh, but uh, for the believer, it is we, we believe according to the Word of God. We develop our own convictions and uh, through those convictions, standards within our life and uh, the individual soul liberty of the believer. Number six, uh, we believe in saved church membership. Saved church membership. Uh, we don't believe that, um, uh, you know, anybody can just join themselves to Community Bible Church. Now, do we have people who call Community Bible Church their church home? Absolutely. And we should, uh, I think that's a good way to phrase it, honestly. It's not something I coined, so I'm not taking no pride in that. But I, I'm saying to you that all people should be welcome to our church, but when we consider the matter of church membership, it is, number one, a biblical thing, and there is to be order within it. Uh, look, turn with me to Acts chapter number two. Acts chapter two. When did the, the, some people would, some may ask, when did the church begin? Well, the church in its very essence has always been, because the Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there. The church is the body of believers, okay? Uh, but what we do find in the church of Acts is we now we are finding uh, the order that God gives within the church, and we're finding uh, uh, gen the Gentiles, as well as the Jews, but the Gentiles uh, now um, realizing their need for God, and they're really, in, in, in essentially, they're on fire for the Lord. <laughs> and we find a body of believers that's increasing and increasing and increasing. And the order that was within the church, and this being God's biblical order of the local New Testament church uh, that we also practice today. For chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Okay? Now, take note of this, and we believe this as a church as well, that someone who joins to our church must be scripturally baptized. Uh, I would say we'll talk about baptism here in a moment, but, um, uh, you know, if you are a part of our church, you've been attending our church, and you have not joined yourself to our church, it should be something which you are genuinely and honestly and prayerfully asking God, God, would you have for me to join, join myself here? And if you've been attending for a number of weeks, months, years, and you haven't joined, here's the real question. Why haven't you? What's keeping you from doing so? Uh, God, God's intent for the believers that we would enjoin ourselves too. That first step is baptism. And can I say to you, unfortunately for some, that's the very reason why it holds them back from enjoining within a church. I just talked to somebody a few weeks ago, and that was the very reason why that they were not uh, ready to join because they had not been baptized, and they're not, they weren't, they weren't uh, really wanting to make that decision to do so as well. Uh, but church membership... Uh, the Bible tells us uh, in continuation of verse 41, in the same day, okay, they're baptized, and in the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That word added, we're talking about church membership. They enjoined themselves too. Um, and uh, what does the Bible tell us of these individuals? Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. What do they continue in? The apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, in prayer, okay? 
I love that breaking of bread part, okay? That's a true Baptist, okay? We love to eat, okay? But uh, uh, here, here we find them in full agreement of, what, uh, of where this body of believers stands, okay? The Bible is the sole authority of faith and practice. They're answering to God. They are autonomous. They're independent, self-governing. Uh, these are all these things that define them. Um, turn to Acts chapter 9. You're in the book of Acts already. Remember, it was, it was Saul, and or we know him now as Paul, himself who desired to enjoin himself to the church. The Bible tells us uh, in verse 26, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so after Paul's conversion and after his baptism, it's his desire to not just as a believer, be among other believers, but to belong within the church. And uh, it's that very idea of believing and belonging. See, this is God's church for me. I believe where it stands. I believe in its direction. I, I, I'm enjoining myself to it. And I'm making it known to the body of believers. I'm pursuing my effort, my mindset. My goals are the very same thing as everyone else around me. Okay? And... Um, that's, that's why it can be hard for some. I remember uh, talking to one about church membership, and um, we had talked through just about every other thing. It seemed to be right, and, and when it came down to it, we, we had just nearly ended the conversation, and it was this, that they, had, they were working for a, uh, a, a beer factory is what they were doing. And um, uh, really, does that speak well of the body of believers in the name of Christ? Um, could we honestly say that it does? No. Uh, and uh, that, was a, that was a very hard decision <laughs> for them to have to make, but it was, a, uh, it was a decision which they had to make of say, hey, am I going to enjoy myself to say, I'm going to separate unto God with this body of believers, and I'm going to represent not just the church, but God in my life, and so therefore I'm going to choose to live this type of a life. That's, that's the decision that you made as a member of Community Bible Church uh, that you're going to not just represent the church, but you're going to represent God. And uh, that is a desire as a church that the people who are enjoined would represent Christ. We're not representing anything more. That's why we don't just, you know, when somebody comes and attends our church, we don't, you know, within a couple weeks to a month, uh, suddenly they're teaching a Sunday school, right? Uh, it's, it's, there has to be a matter of, yes, this is where they stand. They've testified of where they, what they believe. Now they've enjoined themselves to the church, and now we recognize now they desire to serve. Now they desire to be a part. Now they desire to be uh, a, a, an active um, member of the church. Okay, so, uh, but that does happen. It does happen, and it's unfortunate, but it does. And again, what you run into is, is many problems within the church. And then you, where does the effort of the gospel uh, for the church um, uh, increase uh, when, when there are individuals who are only but claimed, uh, claimed to be believers of the, of, uh, before the Lord of the body of Christ, but the life which they're living is nowhere near separated. The Bible tells us by our fruit we're known to be believers in Christ. And so uh, we don't, we don't um, consider those who are members of Community Bible Church any elite group. 
some churches give name tags. We most definitely don't do that, okay? Uh, you do not come and are not placed in some special realm as a member uh, of the church. In fact, for that matter, when you stand before God, I don't believe God's going to say, well, to what church were you a member of? Uh, but we do, I do believe, and we believe as a church, as you would even find in our Constitution, that uh, it is biblical for God's people to enjoin themselves to a church, somewhere where you belong. You belong. I'm committing myself to God and to the people here that I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to, be, I'm going to give of my time, my talent, my treasure. I'm enjoying myself to be a part. Okay? If you just simply have individuals that are not enjoying, there's no commitment. There's no, there's no, there's no strings attached. So, you know, I can attend here. I can attend here. No, I, where do you belong? <laughs> if you believe that you belong here at Community Bible Church and you haven't joined yourself to it, you should. So the Bible tells us uh, if saved church membership, we believe that as Baptists. We believe also in the two church ordinances. What are those two church ordinances? They are, uh-oh, they are what? Communion and baptism, okay? That's great, good job, okay? Uh, the, what is an ordinance? It is an outward sign of a previous inward spiritual relationship, okay? The two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are the things that Jesus, that Christ has commanded us to do, okay? Both of these ordinances picture the sacrifice that Christ has done for us on the cross. Neither of these ordinances provide a means of grace as in a way in which we can receive salvation. We simply believe as a body of believers that these things testify and they picture and they are a matter of obedience to God's clear commands to us as believers. Uh, baptism uh, is, I believe, best understood this way. If you have water, you have the individual within that water, it's a picture of the cross. It's a picture of Christ's death, his burial, and then his resurrection. Uh, and so we as believers are choosing to die to self, and now we're choosing and testifying before the body of believers and Christ himself, I'm choosing to live a new life in Christ. The old man has passed, and now I have a new life in Christ. And that is why we believe in baptism by immersion. Uh, there are some who would believe baptism by sprinkling, uh, or if they even believe in baptism at all. We don't believe that baptism grants salvation in any way, shape, or form, but we believe that baptism is a command of God, and it is that step of obedience that follows salvation. Uh, there is uh, really nowhere in Scripture that you find individuals that come to a saving knowledge of Christ that they don't, knowing God's commands, desire that next step of baptism. Okay, And every time you find baptism in Scripture, you never find it in any form of sprinkling. And it was not of infants who were baptized, but it was of an individual who understood that they were a sinner, that Christ died for them, and that God made a way of salvation available for them, and they received him by faith, and that uh, that baptism was them going down under the water and up out of the water. Even Jesus Christ himself was baptized by immersion. So we believe as, uh, in the very essence of the, of the name, Baptist, we believe in scriptural baptism, okay? Uh, baptized by immersion. Uh, it, it identifies a believer. It's a command of God. And it's a declaration of, the, uh, of a believer's uh, conversion. Um, I'm just going to give you scripture here for sake of time. If you're making, taking notes, Mark 1, verse 9 through 11, as well as Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. There's where the commands are given. God says, I have commanded you to go forward into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them. Okay, there's the command. Romans 6, 
verse 1 through 4. Uh, we are not to continue in sin, but we're to live a life that's separated unto God. And we read that there also in Scripture. Uh, we say communion or the Lord's Supper. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26, As often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. The word show means to proclaim. You are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. This is not becoming the literal body and blood of Christ, but it, it is a picture and it is obedience to God's command. And in the same way, it's a reminder to ourselves as believers that we would stay faithful to the Lord, that we would keep our eyes on the cross, and uh, that we would not uh, allow ourselves to um, remain in sin until, we're, until we go to be together with Christ uh, in heaven. Uh, we will always have that sin nature within us. And it is when we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper that we're reminded of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection of dying for us. What he died for, it was our sins. And it should serve as a reminder that this is the time which I should be doing business with God and making my heart right before God if I haven't already. Okay, It's reminding me of what Christ has done for me and even further, a reason for why I should be sharing it with others. I'll give to, you, give to you the last thing here, and that is separation of the church and state. Separation of the church and state. In, Re in Romans chapter 13, in verse number 1, the Bible says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be ordained of God. So our, our order within our, uh, our government and everything is, is by God. But in its very essence, uh, we, the, the, those governments, do not define the autonomy of the church, the independence of the church. Uh, we believe the Word of God is our sole authority of faith and practice, and uh, we don't believe anything more than what God has commanded us to preach and to teach and to live by. And when it is man that seeks to tell us what we should preach and what we should teach, and how we should live, that goes against the clear commands of the Word of God. And it is then at that point, that is, as we've talked about, that uh, we may need to stand as believers. And there will come a day, we do know that as sin waxes worse and worse, that uh, the Christian will have to stand, uh, for, as maybe even like Daniel himself, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in which uh, there is a order of God's ordained leadership, but there is an order of the, that leadership uh, for we as believers to go against the commands of God. And so we believe in that separation of uh, the church and the state. Uh, the purpose of the government is to ensure the well-being of its citizens and to inflict punishment uh, to those in non-compliance to its laws. But the purpose of the church is to carry out the Great Commission. And um, uh, that is and should be our intent. I've heard it best defined this way when we consider what defines the church is a body of believers who have enjoined themselves together. Uh, they're baptized and they're seeking to carry out the Great Commission. A body of baptized believers seeking to carry out the Great Commission. And um, uh, do, do we trump the name uh, Baptist and wave it in people's face? We're better than you? No, that's not the intent even in this uh, um, uh, lesson here tonight. Uh, but it is important for us to know where we stand, what we believe, and even to define it to others, what we believe. 
In fact, if you were to take all those distinctives which I gave to you, they make the acrostic itself a Baptist, B-A-P-T-I-S-T, Baptist. And uh, uh, again, we don't put these on a wall and say these are things. I've known some who take this to such an extreme, and they have a Baptist flag up on their stage and actually a pledge to go with it. Uh, we don't believe that, uh, but uh, are, as in any people group, there are some who can take the truth and twist it to be something else, or some who can take the truth and turn it into tradition. And I think that's unfortunately what has happened among many Baptists, is they struggle with one of two things, tradition, or they're turning away from the Word of God being the sole authority of their faith and practice. Um, we're not as uh, believers to go out and bash other denominations and say, well, we've just, you know, you believe everything wrong, and uh, but it is important for you to know what you believe and what we as a church believe. And as you belong to this church, uh, who we identify with. And um, so uh, that's usually one of the first things I, I, I tell people when telling them about our church. I said, we are not a Baptist church in name, but we are a Baptist church. And if they know anything about Baptist, there's some that I've talked to that don't. Uh, but if they know anything about Baptist, that under, is an understood thing right away. Okay, I know, I know at least generally what you believe we may practice some things different than others again our song service might be different you know uh, the ushers might dress different from other places you know uh the they, the building might be uh more of a uh you know traditional look uh or it might have a more modern look okay uh, at the end of the day it's not those things that are what's important what's important is are we as a local church following the commands of god and are we living in accordance to his word? All of these things which I gave to you, if you, if you say, man, I don't agree with them, well, I would invite you even further to read our, over our Constitution again. Uh, because uh, when you joined yourself to our church, these are the very things which define who we are. They may not be laid out in the same format which I gave to you, uh, but they are who we are as a church. And so I hope that's a help to you. Uh, maybe whether you have heard that in recent days, maybe you've already uh, known it, or maybe this is completely new to you, I don't believe it's necessary that you have to memorize them in the same format in which pastor gave them to me. But I think it's important for we as believers to know where we stand. These are the things which define who we are. If you take our denomination, so to speak, and place us alongside of others, you would find a clear biblical difference between us and them. And uh, so, uh, you know, I was just for sake of um, uh, interest... And having talked with many Lutherans, I was reading uh, some of the, the Lutherans, um, I can't even think of the correct word, but some of their written, where we stand, written words, you know, and uh, very interesting, um, in some ways enlightening in, in, of understanding why some believe the way they do. But uh, um, when, you, when you read it, if you know scripture, if you know these things which we talked about, you know that uh, they clearly don't believe the same thing we do. They clearly believe something entirely different. And where does it essentially lie? It, it lies right here. That very first thing we talked about, sole authority of faith and practice. Everything in the Word of God is what defines what we believe, what we preach, what we teach, how we live. And if that is not the essential thing, uh, there's many other man-made, or for that matter, um, traditional um, some cases cultish things that come along with that. And um, 
uh, are there people, are there individuals that can become uh, a believer, can become a Christian under a different denomination? Uh, I do believe so if that church is preaching the word of God. But at the end of the day, where does this come from? How does an individual come to a saving knowledge of Christ? It's not because of anything more than that individual's choice. And I know there's some even that are a part of our church that uh, they had grown up believing one thing, but when they came to study the Word of God, they found, wait a minute, that's not even biblical. And that's what, in that case, even led them to our church because they believe what they're finding is a biblical church. Are we the church for everyone? No. In many sense of the way, we are a traditional church. We sing the older hymns, uh, we, but we preach the Word of God. Is that wrong? No. Uh, is it the only way? No, it's not. Uh, you say, Pastor, oh my goodness. Uh, the, the truth is there are different good believers who practice their beliefs in a slightly different fashion than we do. And the intent is not that we would seek to place ourselves in any ivory tower above them. There was a generation, I don't think you see that as much now, but there was a generation, I want to say 10, 20 years ago, maybe a little further than that, uh, but that even, even the Baptists themselves were really button heads with one another. And uh, it's unfortunate because we're talking about a body of believers that the greatest thing they're coming at odds and ends with is their methods of their own practice and not so much about the Word of God as being their sole authority of faith and practice. Um, and uh, some, some churches take things to further extremes, uh, even further than what the Word of God says concerning matters. And others could take an even stronger stand on those. Uh, God's intent for the church is that we would be balanced in all things. And how do we maintain that balance through the Word of God? So uh, pray for our church. Uh, pray that God would help, help us to stay with the old stuff, so to speak, to stay in the Word of God, to stay faithful to it, to keep preaching it, to keep teaching it, uh, to be obedient to His Word and His commands that He gives us. And um, so my desire as your pastor that God would add to our church? Absolutely. Uh, but I do think it's an honest evaluation. It would be an honest evaluation of our church and traditional in some areas of which we are uh, to ask ourselves, hey, is this a matter of biblical standing or not? Is it okay to have some areas of change? It is okay, so long as we're not going against the Word of God. Um, are we doing things simply for the sake of appealing to other people? Well, there are some things that people look for in a church. I say to you, probably one of the biggest things that people look for in a church is a children's program. Almost every person that walks through these doors is looking for a church. That's something they're looking for. Unfortunately, that's the highest priority of what they're looking for. It's not a matter of, does this church preach the word of God and is their sole authority for faith and practice? But they'll enjoin themselves to any church that has a children's program. And that's unfortunate. And true, at the end of the day, our church isn't for them. But I say to you, we should consider something like that, for example to be asking ourselves, hey, you know, what can we as a body of believers enable ourselves to be able to make that something which people are looking for to be in our church as well? And we could analyze everything and everything else in our church to consider it in the same way. So long as we stay with the old stuff, the methods can change, but the means always stays the same. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you uh, that you have given us to the, the word of God